It's just another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. It's just another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. kind of shit we're gonna talk about yeah cause we got the muscle shoals motor mouth you got that right my friend mm-hmm. yeah. yeah cause we're just picking it out we're just picking it out hey y'all Well, that looks like my buddy, Andrew Pope. Man. Yep. My name's Andrew Pope. And thank you all for tuning in again to Picking It Out. And uh, real excited this week. We've got my buddy, hit songwriter, Mr. Martin Armour. (laughs) Martin Armour. (laughs) The reason we're laughing is because... (laughs) (laughs) is because we did this one time already y'all and uh we had some technical difficulties with mark's uh mic (laughs) (laughs) rubbing his shirt there's just a testament to our crazy our craziness that we always get into something crazy you know i mean every (laughs) single time it never fails so we we did this whole show and now we got to do it again so it's kind of funny because <laughs> we're trying to act like we ain't done it before, but we really have. So well, that's anyway, all right, brother, second time's a charm. Oh no, that's the third time. Uh-oh. Third time. Let's not let's not get a third time. Oh, let's not get a third time. So, uh, man, this we've known each other for over ten years, I guess. Um, been real close friends and wrote a lot of good songs together. And uh, glad to have you on today to to uh, chat with us. What you what you been up to? How was that turkey and dressing? Doctor Drew, that turkey and dressing was good, but it looked more like a lasagna. <laughs> oh, something <laughs> the turkey right. kind of got you know uh, metamorphosized. It morphed. We had a mor- <laughs> morphian turkey. Oh man, it, it was good though. Yeah, ours was pretty good, too. We're still eating on it. Are you still eating on it? No, no. Goodness, no. You know, in my house, by the weekend, I had done clean that tray. That little <laughs> that little Pyrex bowl was, you know. And I was in here listening to Pyromania by Def Leppard and eating out of a Pyrex bowl. <laughs> I love Pyro, that. huh? Pyro. Pyro. Pyromania. That'd be a good country song, too. You know, it was a pop rock hit. Me and you will probably write that, won't we? And Pyrex. <laughs> we'll we'll call it, write a song called Pyrex. That that sounds like something we come up with, really. It does. You know, like you'd probably say, you know, I'm getting big as a T-Rex, eating the pie out of this Pyrex. Eating the pie out of the Pyrex. <laughs> getting taller than a T-Rex. I, I really wish y'all could be 
a fly on the wall or you know in the room with us when we get together because we we come up with the crazy i mean any kind of crazy word whether it's a real word or or a made-up word it's going to be said by either me or it's going to be said and it may even wind up in the song mightn't it andrew it It might might. it has a few times We, we wrote some damn good songs uh we we mark's wrote a ton of hits as you can see back there i can't really tell what is that what is m3 there let's see one one of them is moon of course you know that one uh one moon in the middle georgia. is blackhawk moon over georgia and then there's blackhawk like there ain't no yesterday in the middle and uh craig morgan's song on the end yep that's a pretty big one wasn't it shoot yeah man it's a uh, it's, it's still kind of hang, hang, t- hanging in there on them weekends. I'm glad I put Sunday in the title because I didn't think about it, but they play it on Sunday a lot. Duh. Duh, yeah. Mark, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Are you in Nashville at your office? No, I'm, I'm in uh, the Shoals. I'm in my cent- Center Star Oh, Center office. Star. Yeah. Mark, Mark is a Muscle Shoals boy from way back here. Uh, but we, I I think the first time we met, the first time we met was, um, with, used with Josh Turner and I I was at the John Anderson show and y'all come up there. That was over in in Sheffield, Alabama. David Johnson was doing those, um, he did quite a few of those shows, didn't he? He would, he would do a street party in Sheffield and have some great, really good acts. Yeah, Confederate Railroad was there, I think, and John Headline. Man, I love John Anderson. He's he's a great one. I and, like uh, we, John. Yeah. John. Mark does a good impression. I do a bad one. Uh, you do good. And I, I remember that night we uh, we met the guy from Confederate Railroad, Danny. I got to meet Danny, Danny Shirley. Shirley. Yeah. What a super guy. I know you and him and I were talking, you were buddies with him and what a great, just one of the guys you think, man, he's so humble. Yeah, he is, man. man. That's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't know many people in the business more humble than Danny Shirley, really. And I hope to have him on here and talk to him one day. Uh, So I won't talk about him too much now because I don't want to give nothing away. Uh, Are you going to get his his wife on with him? I think her name is Laverne, isn't it? Laverne. <laughs> Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> that took me a minute. That one took me a minute, but I got it. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, but yeah, I think the first time we wrote was in Nashville at Hal's. Uh, it, it was at my uh, how loving my publisher's place there, and what what a sweet that's a really nice office, isn't it, Andrew? Oh yeah, and he's a sweet very, guy too. I like very him. Very nice. He's such a great guy. But the cool thing about that office, and you know this, the Oak Ridge boys own that uh, office, the building for maybe a couple of years. They had their publishing company in it before they moved moved over to I think Seventeenth or Sixteenth. 
Mm-hmm. But for a short while, they uh, they had their publishing company. Now, Tony Brown was kind of their gopher. I hate to say secretary. He was kind of the gopher, go-to, uh, do-all do kind of guy. But he was in the front office uh, where my office used to be, where we wrote, remember? Oh, yeah. In the front. Yep. Ain't that something? Tony Brown being a gopher. Yeah. I mean, now he's this big-time producer. I mean, things couldn't go any more like from, uh, you know, be any more polar, right? One pole yeah. or the other. I mean, from a uh, go-to guy, gopher guy, to the king of Nashville. <laughs> yeah. George Strait, Reba, all of them. Big records. Oh, what, a, what a great guy and a great piano player. I always liked Tony's uh, piano picking, too, because he played with Elvis. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, I didn't know that actually. Played, played, played on the road a little bit with Elvis, and I'm sure he may may have played with the Oaks some as well. Yeah. I, I figure he probably did. I saw him at, uh, I think it was in 2013 at George Jones Memorial that they had at the Opry House. Um, I saw him there the last time I seen him. And uh, the night before... Uh, what was the name of the band that played at the station? And they did all George Jones tribute. And Rhonda Vincent and Daryl Singletary came in. And Daryl just did a whole set of old possum songs. And I mean, just nobody could do them like him. Man, you know, there, hard. there were a few, as me and you have talked about, there have been quite a few people that sort of sound a bit like George, you know, mm-hmm. eat, whether they're trying or not. But Singletary, man, he. He just nailed that that thing, and, and to me, it kind of fell between Haggard and Jones it, or Lefty. I mean, it, it had all yeah. all of those cats were rolled up in there somehow. Yeah, I agree. He was man, what a singer! I mean, just a traditional country singing fool. It just didn't get oh, much better. Oh my goodness, he was great. That song, uh, the pen. Remember that? Yes, and the paycheck. Uh, old violin i love love that that Which just was recorded chills. in muscle shoals at east Avalon. Really? and andrew it's oh, back really? up and running after the pandemic gets done we hope they'll be back up and recording a lot and maybe me and you can write over there and and record yeah yeah i'd love to get back out there uh and now is that wishbone no it's like almost in the it's about 80 yards behind Wishbone. The guy that was at Wishbone, uh, Steve Moore, one of the engineers, at some point took out and um, in Muscle Shoals fashion decided to make his own studio. And it's in an industrial park. If you look behind Wishbone, it's not 70 or 80 yards. You could probably throw a football that far. Wow. But but also recorded in East Avalon, the studio I'm talking about, Andrew, uh, the Forrester Sisters, most of their first early hits were done there. Uh, Paycheck did old violin there. Um, quite a few others. Michelle Pilar, who was a contemporary Christian hit act, she cut there. Will McFarlane. Hmm. Quite a few others, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to get out there. Um me and you was talking one day, uh, I don't know if you said Bobby Tomlin told you or something, but 
just talking about where uh, Hank Jr. recorded the New South record, the one that Waylon and Richie Albright produced. Uh, me and Shooter Jennings, that's our favorite record. I rec- I mean, that like favorite Hank Jr. record. And we we were talking one day, me and you, <coughs> and it was it's now a dentist office or something like that or is it for sale or what is it that that was the music mill uh on avalon avenue yes indeed and i've heard i was trying to think of somebody else that was around i run into people occasionally around in the shows who mention that studio and mention waylon and hank and trying to think who it was i'll think of it later and i'm going to write it down and we'll Maybe, like I say, when all this stuff is over, we're going to get me and you together. Maybe you could bring Shooter, maybe even like record in that building or, you know, do something. Oh, yeah, it'd be fun, man. Do a video, you know. uh, Something, yeah. Something, something. A little something, something. A little something, something. A little little something, something in the shows. I love Muscle Shows, too. I mean, me and you, there was a point there for what seven or eight years ago i mean it seemed like every month or two we'd meet up at your office there in muscle shoals at the cypress moon i i can see you pulling up down there at the river buddy really i mean i it's just in my yeah. mind and what a cool office space I, i'm really blessed yeah. to have two three offices actually this one here at home yeah. i've got the one in nashville at hal ovens noble vision and then the one you're talking about is 1000 Alabama Avenue. It's Muscle Show Sound number two. And we'll we'll talk about it um, yeah. as we go on. But it's right on the river. Man, there were a lot of hits cut in there. Yeah, and we wrote a lot of songs in there. I remember one time, there's a lot of weird vibes you get in there. Like, like you're not alone, kind of. But during that time when we was there a lot, it was kind of before this resurgence of muscle shells and the tourism uh with all the studios and everything i mean you still had fame but it was kind of before you know all of them got going again uh and it was nobody was hardly ever there so we had some strange things kind of happen oh yeah I I, at that at that one point i remember i know what you're saying uh Tanya Holly has owned it for 15 years, but there was kind of one era when I first uh, got in there into my office. There were like co- a couple of three tenants. Grant Walden was in there, but we uh, kind of had the run of the place, Andrew, me, me and you and Grant. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a big old building. I guess you could call it a big old spooky kind of building because it's like thousands of uh, square footage of just two or three or four buildings fused together, isn't it? I mean, it's just really neat, really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of history behind it, too, not just musically. But didn't you say it was like a a power station or something? What kind of? Yeah, in the early 1900s, Tanya tells me that, uh, yeah, it was Sheffield's power station. Wow. And then before that, I think the Native Americans had used it there at the river there's a cliff right behind it kind of a for a ceremonial place mm-hmm. uh, to do some of their ceremonies it was a baptismal before the dams came in and you know ma- you know covered up a lot of the river out there 
uh, the riverbed you could walk across where Cypress Moon is, and they, they would do baptisms out there. So, yeah, a lot of different things. And the Navy owned it for about 30 or 40 oh, years. Right. It was a Navy office, officer's training sort of facility and just pretty much a Navy hangout where the, the Navy folks could come. And, and yeah. they had the gymnasiums, which the studios were actually built on those later lead outs, proms for local high schools and dances and Spooner, David Hood, Jimmy Johnson, Bebop, all those guys played dances on the hmm. gym floor and then later played on hit records like by Bob Seger and Bob Dylan. Isn't that crazy? The Ain't same floor, same gym floor. Spooner Oldham, of course, you're talking about your your famous cousin. My great first cousin, Spooner Oldham. Oldham, as we say here in Center Star, but across the world in the nether regions out there, they, they say Oldham. But he will answer to either one, man. He's such a great guy. Yeah, he uh, he's probably got quite a few stories to tell, I'm sure. Did, didn't he, did he play with uh, Christopherson at Let's some see, point? That was his buddy, Donnie Fritz, who was a keyboard Fritz, player also, yeah. you know, who passed away in 2019. Donnie yeah. spent 24 years with Chris on the road playing keyboards, uh, Wurlitzer and Hammond B3 organ too, and was in move, some movies with Chris, the songwriter, Donnie was in that. Uh, Give me, Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Donnie was in that with Bob Dylan and Chris. So Donnie had kind of had a second career as a, as an actor, you know? Yeah. I love that last record that, uh, was it John Paul White put out on him? Oh, wasn't it just awesome and amazing? Yeah, it was. Yeah, great. It, it, the world needed that, you know. I mean, of course, we wouldn't know what would happen when he, he would pass, but, I mean, I'm glad that record got made. I, I'm with you, brother. I'm glad that was documented and, and just made that record so authentic. Just had Donnie... Yeah. Donnie played Wurlitzer on all of it and didn't do any Pro Tools punching in or anything like that. It was just pretty much, uh, just I mean, they overdubbed on it, of course, but uh, yeah, I think I think all the takes were full takes, you know, and all the vocals were full vocal passes, pretty much. Yeah, um, the uh, that's probably how you really got your start i guess and your love yeah, for, for music for, anyway right yeah man when i was a kid looking at those guys and what they were doing uh, spooner being my cousin he uh had played on aretha franklin's record you know that she did at fame and spooner also played on wilson pickett mustang sally okay. and i would ask my mama what what is this aretha franklin record i mean i didn't know who she was you know and, hey, Mama, what is this? And she says, oh, that cousin Lyndon, we still call him Lyndon uh, Spooner. That's his real name, but given name. But I couldn't believe it. I thought, you you mean that's Lyndon? That's cousin Lyndon playing piano on that record? And it became a hit, you know. I'd hear it on the radio, hear Mustang Sally on the radio. So for a kid, man, I mean, it set me up immediately yeah. for to have a love 
for wanting to be a part of recordings and, you know, sort of, I didn't care if I played or not. I just wanted to be on the back of the album where maybe somebody could read my name. Maybe yeah, I could sure. have been an engineer or a songwriter. Uh, I just wanted to be a part of it and have my name on the back of a an album jacket. Is really and Donnie Fritz, like you said, he was around too. So uh, he and Spooner were close to the same age and played. You know, early on, they sort of were the first guys to come along in Muscle Shoals that were hanging out and getting it going. So yeah, they. Uh, really did kind of set me up in a great way to for a career in music. Yep. Um, you introduced me to a guy a few years back. Uh, people call him Peanut, but yeah. his name is Earl Peanut Montgomery. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and he was there at the beginning, too, just yeah. like Donnie and Spooner. Yep. We, we wrote the three of us and, and uh, Charlene. His wife also. We wrote some songs together. You recorded one of them, I think. Boy, they sounded um, great. Peanut loved those songs, and he played one of them for Sammy Kershaw. Yeah. When Billy Lawson was working with Sammy, and I think they almost cut it, didn't they? Yeah, I think we got close. No cigar on that one. We've been close several times. It's okay. We'll, we'll get the cigar, kind of like Saban and the boys when they win yeah, you know victory. roll tide we'll knock it out of the ballpark here one day i'm still on that april may song we wrote i think that was the last song we wrote that's been I'm about a sure. year ago i can't believe it's it's been a year but yeah time, as i get older and a little bit grayer a little bit silver fox thing going in my hair there uh the cliche is living up to itself andrew you're still young but Time is just really flowing fast. I mean, the year since we wrote that seems about like a month or two to me. It, it, yeah, it's it's been a strange time. I I, I mean, it, it's I've talked to so many musician friends of mine and probably a lot of our mutual friends, really. <clears throat> and this whole thing has really wiped some people out. Um, you know, and I don't know how, I don't know how it looks. I mean, I was telling Dana the other day when I was talking about having you on, I said, you know, I think this is the first year that I've known Narmore and we hadn't wrote at least one or two songs that year. But So we've got to write, I mean... It's just in the next month, brother, it means we at least got to write a couple of songs. Got, yeah. I mean, it's a must, must do. I'd love to, you know, man, you, I don't know if we talked about this or not really, but, um, I, I'm, I'm real choosy, you know, on who I write with these days. Used to, I'd just write with whoever and I, I've, yeah, I mean, you've been in those rooms with the, uh, you know, some of the guys, and they're even in your position, but they got these big egos, and they all say, "Well, you know, you're gonna write, you're gonna co-write songs. You leave your ego at the door," but they don't practice that themselves. Not all of them, but some of them, a lot of them. And I, I, I right. would rather just write a song with you, or Larry Gatlin, or uh, somebody, you know, that I have chemistry with. 
than a guy that just got a cut on Luke Bryan. It, it's it's just uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a lot choosier now. I it's got to mean something, you know, to me. Um, I'm with you, brother, and I think uh, we were talking about humility earlier. Uh, being humble goes a long way in life and the music business. And sure, you know, luckily I haven't written with what I would call just out and out egotist. Maybe a few in 35 years. Yeah, but um, yeah, there there probably have been been a few. But I sort of try to if I ever write with somebody who I feel like is just all about themselves and all ego and uh, I try not I mean it, it would behoove one a person not to rebook with that person you know what I mean and that's kind of what you're saying you've kind of you're fine you found the ones you work with and you kind of weed out some of the others but luckily most folks most people are good as, as Luke Bryan said there you know I try to be the optimist and find the good and everybody but uh i don't blame you as far as not you you've really approached things from an artist standpoint i think artists can be choosier don't you think don't you don't you believe that yeah i mean it's a good time for people that just you know want to do their own kind of music i think uh well maybe not so much this year but before that, you know, there's a lot of ways now to get music out there and um, do things. Things are still expensive, but they're a lot cheaper than what they were a long time ago. I, I think that uh, I, I, that's the only way I know to do it, really. I, like when I go do a show, I, you know, I just, if it's just me and my guitar, we're, we're kind of the only two in the room, you know. And I just, a lot of people say, you don't play the same song the same way twice, you know, more than once. That's beautiful, though. That That's the art and the beauty, just the sheer beauty to so. me of, uh, is, is being able to do it differently. And, uh, you know, I love Bob Dylan so much, but I've seen Bob over 20 times with my best buddy, yeah. Mike Clay from school, from high school. We, we've been all over the country to see him. Never have seen Bob Dylan play like, say, uh, Lay Lady Lay or yeah. any song that you would know. You yeah. would never even recognize it. And that is the, that's beautiful to me. Yeah. Totally it is. recreate your art every time, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong now. I love, like, the best show I've probably ever been to in my life was probably ZZ Top, 38 Special, and Skinner man wow zz top i mean they and 38 special too i mean they almost sounded like the record but i like that too i mean that's art too you know um i think i think people express it in different ways um but it's you know that muscle shoals thing man it's like what's talking about anytime i've ever been there i've got a vibe and we always come out, it may be a crazy song, it may be a country to the core song. I mean, I remember one time, part you remember half of that building was like hot, and then the other half was cold. 
and we yeah. go we go i think it was the first time we actually went around the studio and we go over on the other side the other hallway and it's like a, a grand piano in there and we're sitting there and it's so cold and it's like <laughs> august i think and i'm freezing <laughs> to death and you are too and you sit down on the piano and then i do and i'm getting up walking and we end up writing this damn christmas song you know in august i do remember that the, the air conditioner somehow was like super cranked <laughs> yeah. up and uh and yeah. i usually you know over over this pandemic period you know i I told you I've lost about 50 pounds, but back in that day, man, I was I think I found working it. on like being three, I'm six, three, but you know, 300 pounders. So I usually <laughs> like some air conditioning, but it was dog, doggone cold in it there was. that day when we wrote that Christmas song, man. Yeah. And you, t I think you told me that same piano in there, uh, Bob Seger recorded against the wind. I think James Brown yeah, recorded in exactly, that room, man. And it's just crazy. Yeah. You start thinking about all that. Bob then, Dylan got to serve somebody that that record and saved. Wow. Uh, yeah, that studio is really special to me too, man. I'm uh, still have an office over there. I'm just my boss, uh, publisher Hal Oven, has afforded me that, and all these years, Andrew, and just uh, yeah, I just love Muscle Shell's music so much, and me and you both are pretty much historians of, of country and rock and, and muscle shoals and Fort Payne and just all points, Alabama, really, aren't we? Yeah. There's, there's a Alabama few boys covers. that came out of Fort Payne. They, they did. Okay. I think they did, man. And, uh, don't forget about the, up on the mountain too, the, the Leuven brothers, the who, the Leuven brothers, Charlie and Ira. Oh yes, indeed, man. They really, got oh, the man. thing going to be honest with you you know they what i did. mean in like the i would say 50s right 60s yeah. anyway i've not heard a harmony like charlie and iras since then they they yeah, had they a sound man so many people like the everly brothers and just yeah. all kind of harmony folks that, that that came after them but yeah alabama is really a special place not because me and you are are from here um and it's nothing about the water. It's just the people, isn't it? It's the people and the talent level. I think so. And, you know, a, a young man from Montgomery, uh, Hank Williams, I mean. Good grief. He I mean, influenced like... everybody from George Jones to, uh, I mean, Mick Jagger to uh, Dave Matthews to everybody when, he was when you're talking the, the level to me of hank williams it's like hank and elvis and you might think this too um you know of course they only come along every 100 years or so or every 50 years but i think those names will if the world stands if the good lord doesn't come back uh you know before then mm -hmm. i think three or four two or three hundred more years you're gonna people are gonna remember historically Kind of like we would remember Bach or Mozart or Chopin. Yeah. I think they'll, they will remember, oh, yes, in the 20th century, there was Hank Williams and Elvis Presley. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, I, I'm sure there are others if you and I sat and thought about it, but those 
two specifically, you know, come to my mind. Yeah, I think music was changed, you know, when country music was changed with Jimmy Rogers and then Hank Williams just completely changed it. And Elvis, I mean, he pretty much put rock and roll on the map as far as I'm concerned. You know, I know they talk about the Beatles and the invasion, and that was huge, but Elvis is a different rock and roll to me. It's not kind of the same. They put that kind of in the same box, and maybe it was back then. I wasn't alive back then. I don't really know. Um, I just kind of see it separately for some reason. Um, but you, uh, you basically got to work and write for Fame Publishing, uh, of course, Rick Hall gave you that opportunity. Um, anybody knows about the history of Muscle Shows knows the name Rick Hall, don't they? When did you first meet my, him? You remember? My goodness, you know, as even from when I was a kid, Andrew, it was kind of like in a good way. I'm like a uh, mafioso, kind of like a big boss, the big boss man, and mm-hmm. it was like this dude has got some juice and some yeah. power, you know, it's like uh, respect. He was respected so much among the locally among the people, but over the whole world, man, what a great yeah. producer. And he proved, uh, proved it a whole bunch of times, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. He, uh, he gained an interest in you. Was it over a, local contest or something yeah wvna radio i was uh, working over there uh, you know i'd started out as you know at wlx in lexington 1984 well in 86 i was working at this pop station spinning records like wham <laughs> and bananarama you know really yeah. I-, I love music but that really wasn't my style to uh, yeah. You know, you, if you're a DJ, you can play any kind of music and, and promote it. But anyway, I entered a contest, not really against my will, but the owners really pushed me into it because they thought they thought the songs I was writing were really good. And I, to be honest with you, I thought they were pretty fairly mediocre because I'm really a perfectionist like you are. And even back then, surely, mostly back then, I was so hard on myself and, yeah, um, you know, very perfectionistic. So I didn't think I had anything worth much, maybe in the middle. They were kind of coaxing me. Come on, Mark, you just enter it. I didn't believe in contests. I said, oh, no, the politics, I'll never, yeah. I'll never win. Okay, we'll give it a try. Rick Hall was the local judge. And one of the, the song I turned in was called I Can See Me In Your Eyes. And it was kind of a popish, sort of Lee Greenwood, like what you would have heard in the early 80s, mm-hmm. like Michael Martin Murphy kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dirt band. I'm just in my head. I'm trying to think. Eddie Raven. I'm trying to think of somebody right. it would have sounded like. Kind of sounded in the vein of like an Eddie Raven or a Lee Greenwood. Uh-huh. And I recorded it at home on a Fostex 8-track recorder, believe it or not, hmm. which was people really weren't recording that much in 1986 at home unless yeah. you were like Tom <laughs> Schultz of the group Boston. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, and as you know, I'm, I'm an engineer that is just a miracle. I can get anything turned on 
and working. So how, I know that God has been with me I re, all the way because I'm no engineer. I'm throwing microphones out because they sound horrible, you know, throwing them out in the yard the next morning. I'm like, oh no, frustrated. But this song, Rick said he couldn't believe that I recorded it in my bedroom at home and that it was an awesome song. So to have him say that, and then he called me at the radio station and wanted to sign me to an exclusive publishing deal. I mean, that was my dream, wow. Andrew, because I near worshiped the mm -hmm. Muscle Shells music industry. And to have Rick Hall, you know, call me uh, and offer me a songwriting deal. I mean, it was, I could have quit at that point yeah. on top. And, and what was the first song you got cut with fame? The fir very first one was The Moon Over Georgia, and oh, Larry wow. Boone recorded that song first. I, did you know that? I can't remember. No, I didn't know that. Um, Marty Rabin sang the demo, you know, Shenandoah's yeah. lead singer. He sang yeah, the demonstration recording. But before um, Shenandoah was going to record that fall, so in the summer when I wrote it, Mark Hall, who is Rick Hall's middle son, he was our song plugger, and he was good buddies at the time. And I know you are, and we, we both are with Buddy Cannon. Oh, Buddy yeah. was working at Polygram Records as an A&R guy at the time, mm -hmm. Mercury Polygram. Mm -hmm. So Buddy sort of, uh, and he, as you know, he's a song man. He's really oh, the best. jaded and, you know, kind of hard to impress. So yeah. uh, Buddy fell in love with the song and like who wrote this i mean wh i mean who in the world wrote this song and mark i mean it was kind of a weird thing mark hall told him well our new young writer mark Normore, he's 22 years old i uh, wrote this by himself and again buddy uh we had a co-write i think a few months after that because buddy i think wanted to it was a calling card, like I've told you before with me. I mean, uh, I'd written the song by myself, so I was able to, to write that with Bu I write a song with Buddy Cannon. But Buddy uh, got the song to Ray Baker and Larry Boone, who I met Ray Baker a couple of years ago at Buzz Kaysen Studio in Berry Hill and got to thank him for uh, producing my first cut. But Larry cool. Boone, who was a killer, diller songwriter, as you know, along with Paul Nelson, sure, uh, who, who's a good buddy of mine, cut the song. I didn't know Paul until years later, but Larry did a great job on the song. Ray Baker wow. produced it, and it actually came out on Mercury Polygram Records hmm. uh, that summer of 89 before Shenandoah recorded it. Wow. But then it, when, when Shenandoah come along and like you said marty had sang on the demo uh i think he kind of remembered that do you feel that way too oh yeah he, he kept it in his car and he told me later wow. um like i say i was about 10 years younger than mike mcguire and jim seals ralph Azell, marty yeah. raven and stan thorne so they they were a little protective kind of like a little brother but i think marty didn't want to get my hopes up yeah, because he he you know knew that the odds really are long with any song getting cut, aren't they, oh, yeah. Andrew? I mean, the odds are against you. So he knew that, and he knew he was going to fight for the song. But um, 
and fight he did, man. He he and Mike McGuire took it in there and really promoted it with Rick, who who already had publishing on it. That helped mm -hmm. a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. The the producer Rick Hall, I mean, he so all the things worked out that were supposed to work out. I was there and I sort of knew what to write. I knew what Shenandoah was about. Uh, I knew their sound. So I kind of had a cookie cutter idea of where to go. Yeah. And my uh, publisher was also the producer. Marty just loved the song and sang it like it was his own on the demo. So uh, tell me that God's not working in all that because yeah. I was just blindly walking through it all, Andrew. I mean, like, I had no clue. I was clueless. So he just guided me through all to all those people and all those things. And that would end up a top 10, right? Yeah, it broke into the, as a number nine in Billboard and like maybe top five and like radio and records and cash box. I love that. That was song. my first, first cut and second wow. cut. I mean, the same song, Moon Over Georgia. So I really was young and, and not dumb, but, you know, impressed with it. And I thought, man, this will, uh, I'd seen other people that had a hit that went on to have like two or three or four or five, 10 more, you know, in a row. So I was getting ready for that, <laughs> yeah. that train to roll, man. He I was thought it was all pink roses here on out. <laughs> he thought it was all pink <laughs> roses from here on out, didn't you? I'm sorry. I'm my, my earbud kind of went south. What did you say? I said you thought it was all going to be pink roses from here on out, didn't you? Going down the primrose path, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, what a blessing that is in itself. And that's your first song to get recorded, and it's it's a number nine. I love that song. I mean, you know I do. But um, Thanks, and I, I worked so hard on it, Andrew, because... You wrote it a few times, didn't you? Huh? You wrote it a few times, didn't you? Wrote it because I was young and I had written at Fame for a couple of years, but I really was a perfectionist and I wanted, I knew I had a good title. I really did. And I knew if I could bring it home some way, if, if yeah. God would give me the knowledge or, or somehow, if I just knew how to write it and pull it off, um, but to do that, God, I think, let me dig very deep into my soul. I mean, farther than, I, I don't even know where that song, where I dug, but I dug somewhere pretty deep, Andrew. And finally, it, it, it came about. And as I worked on the song, it became simpler. Um, yeah, that's hard to do. The, the melody was tighter and, and more simple, simpler melody. Um, because as a young writer, I tended to make things real wordy, real yeah. flowery, a whole lot of chords. Well, I still do the chords. I get accused of that, I can't, I, but that's all right. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, I mean. Moon didn't have that many chords. Uh, it only had about seven or eight. <laughs> yeah, the chorus kind of. Yeah, uh, but what a great song. And, and I mean, it, it would. I, I I guess how long after that was it until you had your next cut? Well, talk talking about that sophomore uh, jinx, you know, you have that big freshman yeah. surge. 
Yeah. You think, oh, I'm going to hallelujah hands. You know, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have what's called the sophomore curse or the sophomore jinx, jinx in your 10th grade year. It was at least, goodness gracious, five, maybe six years before I got a sniff of another cut at all. Um, I that something. Actually, I got a couple right together, and one of them was uh, Michelle Wright, who whom I've really gotten to know the past year. We've written, and it's kind of neat to. She's such a super and sweet lady, and but we've Canadian? written the last year or two, and. But she's she from cut Canada? a song of mine in Stephen Dell Jones called Crank My Tractor around 94 or 95. Okay. And at the same time, around that same time, Blackhawk cut a song I wrote with Walt Aldridge called Like There Ain't No Yesterday. And that was a, yeah. like a six-year differential uh, between Moon Over Georgia and, the, and those two. Uh, now, Michelle, is she the one that sang Take It Like a Man? Yeah. Exactly. And she's from Canada, right? Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I have heard she's a really sweet person. Man, she's just great. We've uh, wrote in person there at Noble Vision where you and I wrote in Nashville at my publisher. Uh, yeah. Also, this during the pandemic, we've written on Zoom three or yeah. four times. So, yeah, she's funny, man. It's just... Uh, we have I like her voice. Kind of like me and you do. A lot, a lot of laughing. You got to have a lot yeah. of laughter. You got involved. to, man. Food and laughter. I mean, Food if you want to write a song, laughter. that's what you do right there. Uh, we wrote songs at the Garden Gate restaurant. And then yeah, we in did. the car on the way back while your car's leaking oil all over the damn road. I oh, mean. yeah. We'll tell about the oil story <laughs> here in just a minute. But the <laughs> the one about fame, me and you recorded over there. The Garden Gate is right by Fame Recording yeah. Studio. Uh, one of the songs me and you were recording at some point, we did like a really good demo of it at Fame. Yeah. Hello, Rain. Uh, you, yeah, that's right. And you played yeah. guitar. Uh, yeah, I, and sang it of course, and I was overdubbing some organ, and I I'd never had this happen before. And the engineer, if you remember, he said it had never happened to him. He had heard of it. Yeah, I think he started googling about it after it happened. He did. The power didn't go all the way down. It just dipped. The vo- it looked like the lights were gonna go out, and the voltage were just like uh-huh. a dimmer switch, right? It just yeah. kind of dipped, and, and I stopped playing the organ. And and the neck and then we hit record again, and I played in I think it was in the key of B, yeah. And it sounded like uh, bagpipes or cats screaming. <laughs> I mean, weird, it was horrible. Man. It was it so was weird. horrible. And I, I'm thinking, what in the world? I, I thought y'all were playing a trick on me, but the tuning <laughs> when the power went down, it made the organ loose voltage somehow, and it changed the pitch of what the organ, the output, I mean, it was the most crazy thing I'd ever seen. It is. Uh, I thought y'all were playing a joke on me, and y'all thought I was playing a joke on you playing in the yeah, wrong we, key, right? <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. We didn't know what the hell was going on because that was so strange. And, you know. It was weird. You know, when you're uh, folks that don't know, you have to play in the same key if, you know. <laughs> If, if someone is playing <laughs> the keyboard, yeah. a song in the key of G, well, you better not be playing it in A, right? Yeah, yeah it ain't going mean. to sound right. Um, but we, we had a good laugh about that. And I, uh, I think we turned the organ on and off, and it 
it fixed it. Yeah, we did. It was bizarre. I think you played but, a kick drum with your hand on that, too. Yeah, I remember that. Land I got down. down on the floor and played that kick drum <laughs> Land down on the floor hand. and did it like that. And I yeah. don't know why. Uh, oh, I because uh, I thought I could, <laughs> like being a piano guy and a strong right-hander, I was thinking, man, I can, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're real strong with something, yeah. I thought I could play that kick pedal with my right hand better than I could do it with nope. my foot. I've got a picture. Because I forgot that you was doing that, and I've got a picture of that day. and Because yeah. that's the only time I've ever been inside fame is when you took me and we did that demo. And you, you're you laying down in the floor. You look like you're trying yeah, to get yeah. up, but you're laying on that left hand, and your wrist is turned back like this or something or like that. And oh, you're, man, I was you're, 300 pounds laying in the floor. I was a big old boy. You're slapping the <laughs> kick pedal. Yeah, that that was the only man, time I, I've been I've gotta, there. And, I've got to see some of that, that picture. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Uh, you took me to the, the crazy, crazy, Send me that, yeah. You took me to the Alabama Music Hall of Fame that day, too, and introduced me to Miss Dixie over there. And, and Yeah, my great friend Dixie, Canel Griffin, man. She is uh, with... Last fifteen years, she's been my one of my best buddies around to work with with in Muscle Shoals and just in the music bit. Yeah, that's what a cool place that is, man. If y'all have never seen, it was closed for a long time. It's opened back up now, and if you've never, it's yeah. in Tuscumbia, which is kind of like the little tri, the tri city Sheffield, Florence, and uh, Tuscumbia, right? Right. Uh huh. And it's all right there, kind of together. Go to the Alabama Music Hall of Fame. You're gonna see everything from an old tour bus, Alabama. Didn't they? I think they said that they built the building or one side of it after they pulled that bus in. Exactly right. They had that's crazy. That, yeah, they they kind of had it in their their thought but before they got one of the walls finished you know while they were still roughing the building in they had to bring that bus in and then build a you know build a museum around it yes and what a place that is though it's it's really cool oh it's grand and and most people a lot of people don't know especially locally it's just a grand nice museum first of it all that of all the things it has in it to do with not only Muscle Shoals, I mean, there's a lot of Muscle Shoals memorabilia and, and artifacts in there, but like you're talking about, Aaron Wilburn has got things in there. Bless his yeah. heart, he just passed away this past oh, weekend. Oh, man. Thinking about his family, what a great guy. But he has some artifacts oh. in there that he was with the Happy Goodmans, you know, singing with Vestal Goodman, who came from your church. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but there's, you know, Hank Williams, uh, Audrey Williams, Hank uh, Jr., Alabama, all kind of artists. Sticks, Tommy Shaw, Sticks, you know, yeah. is from, from Emmy Alabama. Lou Harris, Lionel Richie. I mean, it goes on yeah, and on. Yeah, exactly. Tammy Wynette. Yeah, Tammy. So, and the list goes on and on and on. So there are artifacts from all of those people. And it's just a beautiful, so yes, come to the Alabama well, Music Hall of Fame in Tuscumbia. And man, all of the I, studios right now, Andrew, are doing tours so they can come to Cypress Moon, yeah. which is where my office is. You can come to Fame, which only does a tour in the morning and afternoon at 10 and 4. 
and 3614 Jackson Highway. They're doing tours pretty much every day. Yeah. Uh, and it's limited amount of people on the tours, and you do wear a mask and uh, social distance. But, yeah, it's uh, the tourism has been able, they've been blessed, uh, been able to keep it going here. Well, uh, I got to say something about Aaron. I, that's, I, I really do hate that. I know you told me he had been sick, but I, I really hate that he passed. He was a nice, he was funny. My goodness, he was funny. We 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 wrote half a song one time when we ran out of time at CSAC in Nashville. Wow. Um, but, man, what a nice guy. Brilliant. Just Man, I really hate oh, that. Oh, my goodness. Me and you like cleverness, and we're, we're always cutting jokes. But that yeah. guy, man, he on stage live, he could just so easily come up with a comeback or a cl- the most clever thing you've ever dreamed of in your life, and it'd be the perfect line, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. And you could look at him and start laughing when he did that little giggle and nothing come out. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> like that. I mean, he was he was... He was, uh, I mean, he was legendary, really, too. Wasn't he, he was, uh, the big song that he wrote, I think, for the Happy Goodman family. What What a beautiful day for the Lord to come again. That's, that's uh-huh. one of the biggest songs in gospel music ever, right? It is. Uh, of course, man, you grew up in church, basically. So we, we're raised on gospel music. Um, I love it. I, I know you do. We've wrote gospel songs before, uh, and I think there's just something to that, you know, uh, people that, because not everybody gets that unless you kind of have that in you from the beginning, I feel like. You you know, you can't get it with somebody else. I think that's one thing about me and you <clears throat> from the beginning that's clicked you know oh i i, I definitely I, I know that man and we've written gospel songs we haven't written all gospel we have written some but you're yeah. right because we were raised and we know what it's like to eat butter beans out of a tupperware bowl you know after mm-hmm. church green beans yeah. i mean and just the people you can't beat the people in church that we grow grew up with and that we're still with i mean they are just uh People that we've been around, Andrew, blessed. People that cared about us, right? Promotive, oh, yeah. positive. Yeah. Um, you usually not negative. Usually yeah. positive people in church. You know, praising God and helping each other, and it's kind of a, it's really a cool. I wish everybody could have grown up like me and you in a small church and the I tell you sometimes the music is wonky it's a little crazy some of the pickers will be maybe out of meter or something but it's the most beautiful cacophony yeah. you've ever heard right it is and and the music like you said Vestal Goodman was from my home church Highway Church of God in Fife Alabama um, that that's really unbelievable tell Tell me, tell us a little about that because Vestal Goodman is one to me of ladies in in Christian Southern gospel music. Oh, she's, she's sort of the queen. She is. She is. She uh, very highly respected in any genre of music, really. But what a sweet lady! Uh, 
I remember we'd have homecoming every once a year, you know, and we'd have everybody cook a bunch of food and we'd have Sunday morning service and then singing and she would come, uh, her and Howard sometimes, but she always came and then we'd all go eat and then we'd go back before, right before dark and then they'd sing again. Man, what a singer she was. Uh, I have heard that whenever George Jones hit that bridge in 1999, I think it was, he called Vestal Goodman and to come to the hospital and come pray with him. And then they ended up recording Angel Band at the Ryman, or at the Opry. Uh, that's a great recording they've got oh. of that, but... Yeah, that's pretty. So she uh, was a definitely a godly, godly woman, and George was friends was. with her. But he knew that she could get in touch with the higher, the you know, with God, yeah. and he knew and, uh, get high with that prayer, get it on up there. Yeah, send it on up a little higher with her, because everything was high. She could send anything up higher. She could take her voice up higher than anybody. I mean. She just, but solid. I mean, just what a voice and just always she smiling. Was, and Yeah, um, I saw Vestal, uh, I'm trying to think, Andrew. I took my mom. My mom loved the Gaither, uh, mm -hmm. you know, tour, the Gaither mm -hmm. vocal band. But the tour they would do was unbelievable, man. They would have like the sound system. I mean, it was like a big rock show. It was so great oh, and yeah. loud. I love that. I mean, and there were be like 20,000 people at every show and like the Isaac singing those high harmonies with that yeah. big cranking PA. Yeah. Sort of, I mean, it, to me, it must've been sort of what heaven would, would sound like. But anyway, at one of those shows or maybe both, they kind of had this staged, but they, when they brought Vestal in, they brought her in from the side and like down the steps, you know, of the arena yeah, across the floor and the big spotlight followed her white dress. I mean, like queenly, you know, like yeah, here's yeah. the queen, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the queen of Southern gospel, Vestal Goodman, and she came singing across there. I think it may have been Aaron's song. What a mm. beautiful day for the Lord to come again! Wow. Um, you wrote one of my favorite songs. Of course, you you had cuts later on by John Michael Montgomery and, and all kinds of people. But um, you wrote That's What I Love About Sunday. And that was a big, huge number one hit for you and for Craig Morgan and for uh, your co-writer, uh, Adam Dorsey. Yeah, Adam, right? Adam Dorsey, yeah. How, how did that... that uh, you've told me the story before, but I don't know that you've... Well, talked uh, about it. You know, food, as me and you know, food has to be a, a part of, of what we're doing. And it was the day we wrote this song in 2004. I was driving up to Nashville that day to write with Adam Dorsey. And we wrote at the same company, Jody Williams Music, which was a Sony uh, Tree mm -hmm. co-venture. But Josh Turner and Liz Rose, uh, I'm trying to think who else was there. Taylor Swift hung there a bit you know she was young but anyway um 2004 i'm going up 
and I did have a cell phone. My tech, I was tech savvy enough to have a cell phone by then, Andrew. I don't believe Adam that. Adam Dorsey calls me up on my way and said, hey, man, let's meet. Where are you? And I said, well, I'm about at Pulaski, Tennessee. He but, said, let's meet in Franklin at that Chinese restaurant that you like at the buffet, and I've got an idea for you. I want us to, I think I've got something good, he said. So he was driving from Spring Hill, and we set a time. We sat down there and I thought, man, that's what I love about Sunday. I couldn't get that song anymore because that was my life. I mean, he sort of nailed yeah. me. Like, if you're going to present me with a title that I've lived and I, I could write and I really knew about it. I mean, it was, and you could too, man. It was speaking our language yeah. and, the, it's a, you know, it's a movie. Up in church. And, it's a and movie, dude. Sort, it's... He sort of had a melodic idea, which was kind of like a James Taylor. And he... He told me he, he really was a fan of Moon Over Georgia and Shenandoah, Adam was. So in a in a cool way, I think he sort of honored me and sort of brought in kind of the smoothness. I mean, like the James Taylorness of what I would have brought in melodically. And of course, I added melodically to it, but he, he kind of had the chord pattern and the melody for the verses. Yeah. And we just went to town on it, man. We, we started writing right there at the table and i think you know he was writing stuff down i was writing and when we got to jody's that afternoon we finished it and we kept on going i wish we had recorded it we just like comedians we were making up silly stuff at the yeah. end of it like me and you do and yeah um, but i knew it was good i knew it felt like a good solid song but i couldn't have predicted that it would be a five-week number one because I've something. written a lot of songs about Mama and the Good Lord and church mm -hmm. and trucks and, you know, Chicken Friday Night and Lights yeah. and football. And I thought, well, this is probably one of those hometown, you know, yeah. eating at Grandma's house kind of songs. Yeah. Um, didn't really know if anybody was cutting any like that, but it was time. It was past 9-11 had come about. And those songs that really uh, went back and had like a – if not a spiritual nature, a good um, home and, and calming and country type nature, right? Oh, yeah. And, and God was in, in the, a lot of the songs. You know, after 9-11, we, the nation in a great way turned back and yeah. country music sort of turned back to those kind of songs, didn't they? They did. And uh, that is got to be such a huge blessing. Um, uh, probably one that still blesses you to this day. Uh, yeah, it it is, and people recognize the song and remember it, and that that floors me because I I'm like my dad and mom both. I mean, you you have they were so humble. So I hope I can honor them and always try. I'm not always humble, but I try to be like Jesus would have would have been in treating people, but. Yeah. yeah, I'm proud of that one. It it has Sunday in the title, so it gets a lot of Sunday spins. Yeah. Um, and I didn't plan it that way, or, or neither did Adam Dorsey, but I think that's why it's had a life past, you know, uh, yeah. these this 15 years it's still going because it gets a lot of spins on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you kind of got like a Christmas song, you know? It, that's yeah, a, right. Anybody that wrote those old Christmas yeah, songs, a man. 
yeah, there's a seasonal, a weekly seasonal component to it. You're right. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's uh, by far that's one of Craig Morgan's biggest songs too. I think, and if not his biggest. Thank yeah, that that's one of his biggest. And thank you for saying that's one of your favorite because I know if you had been in on it, uh, you would have easily. It it felt real cool because I felt like Adam had was tailoring was kind of targeting me. Yeah, kind of ta- almost like I was the artist in a way, in a cool, uh-huh. in the coolest way. Cause he knew I, I knew Sundays in the South, you know, yeah. Um, Adam knew them too. He knew church, but he came from Los Angeles uh, and it was a different, he said his church churching was a little bit different than the South. I can imagine. Right. Yeah. I'm probably so you can't compete with the ones down here, man. They, they, you know, even the ones that are not just crazy snake handlers and stuff like that, they, they but I, still. But I love, I love even that. I mean, like the yeah, preachers that get on fire and start. Oh, yeah. I mean, they get wound up. I love that. I miss, I actually miss that where they may be pounding on the pulpit. We might even see a splinter flying, you know, they're, they're for real. <laughs> they're yeah. serious about getting that gospel message out and they're. And all of them are serious about getting it said correctly, aren't they, Andrew, in, in the right way? Yeah, they are. Um, it, it's, you know, I, me and you, we could talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, but just we need to get together and write again because it's just been, this has been such a strange time. You know, that's why I'm doing this thing, man, because I just have I've been out of touch, you know, with a lot of my friends from this business. And I just, you know, I don't when we get together, I don't sit and ask you questions. I don't I'm I'm just not that person. So it's kind of an opportunity to kind of have a conversation that we wouldn't have normally. We wouldn't be having yeah, this we, conversation. Yeah, we wouldn't. I was going to say that earlier. You and I are talking about the song we're writing or or just what we're going through in our lives. So yeah. it's been kind of cool to, to, like, you know, go over some of these bridges and roads, man, with you. Yeah, it's kind of different. It's, uh, it's different for me, too. It's a whole new avenue, but I feel like maybe people can benefit from some of it. Um, you know, I... I, I'm not trying to be a an interviewer or anything like that. I'm just we're having a conversation. And everybody gets to see it and hear it. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Uh, like you say, in th- this time when there are quite a few more shut-ins than usual, yeah. just think of all the people. Not not only your fans. I mean, I hope all of them will be converted. But think about the older folks. Yeah. Uh, someone who might just somebody might who might be depressed or down. I mean, sure. very severely depressed. Maybe our smile and something we say, if we could just make them happy for just to smile and get out of that funk and that depression, even for a little bit, we've done our job, right? Or God yeah. has done his job through us. Yeah, that's right. I, I feel like, you know, people ask sometimes, where do you get an idea for a song? And you can't really answer that question. Because it can come from literally anywhere. It can come from a blue shoe on the floor. 
or it can come from a church sign, or it can come from a dream in the middle of the night, and and you have to wake up and just get it down, and you don't even know where it came from. I just feel like God puts it there, and it's up to you to grab it and do something with it. It's hard right. to answer that question. Yeah, that is a hard one to, to answer when people ask me because they literally can come from anywhere. Um, but me and you both, I've sort of also had a calling card and a blessing uh, as a title guy, as somebody who comes in with some really good, strong titles. And you you do too. Me and you study those. And it, do, it doesn't come, it comes with a lot of work, doesn't it, Andrew? Because I've constantly, my whole life, uh, been looking for those song ideas and those great titles, especially after I heard the early 80s when I heard what Nashville songwriters were doing and Muscle Shoals writers too. Yeah. The cleverness that got twisted with, I know you're friends with the Bellamy's with uh, David and Howard. Oh, Lord, yeah. What what they were doing, what Eddie Raven was doing. Man. Um, Ronnie yeah. Millsap, all those cats, the cleverness of the songs. I mean, that set me on a tirade to find great song titles. And I know everybody yeah. does, but I really have been blessed to be able to, and I spend a lot of time looking for them. And I think the people that say they don't have titles, well, you, you just have to spend time. It's like fishing. And I, I think, Andrew, the title really sometimes is more important than the writing of the actual song because you're going to, sometimes I get like that DNA, uh, the strain of what, what it's supposed to be just by the title. Don't you? Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's interesting because uh, it does kind of feel that way sometimes. Or a title can just set you off. A title, sometimes I've had just a title, and I know it's a title. You remember uh, Storm Chaser? Yeah. You know, we we co-wrote Storm Chaser with Dave Smith. I had that title, and I had the part of that in my head. And we were getting together that next week, and that thing would not stop spinning around my brain. And then we put it down, and we finished it. But I could vision. It's almost like a vision you can see. Beautiful, beautiful great lyric, man. Me and oh, you yeah. always. Well, I say beautiful because there were some lines in it. Me and you have always twist and find yeah. something with, with him, him, but with Dave. Um something that's out of the box and that's what yeah we're all looking for i guess we're all looking for a vocal performance maybe a producer's looking for that performance that's sort sure. of out of the box and almost like out of the ether from heaven or from uh from a different place yeah and when i perform i'm now i i, I sort of get this way and i think it's maybe spirit related um if I'm playing like in church and really are going hard at it for an hour, sometimes I will lose myself in that, yeah, in that performance. And I, I do it all the time. Things will be, people will be putting chairs up at the end of the night on tables. And I'm going like, what, <laughs> uh, what happened? I mean, where, where did everybody go? You know, yeah. it's like a tra trance, like, so I think we, when we write, we, we look maybe, spiritually from somewhere else from 
we're di you know we're letting all that come to us aren't we andrew like an antenna yeah i think so um and man we've <laughs> we've had such some good lines we've come up with and usually what it is is i say one and you say the next one or you say one yeah. and i say the next one and it's like oh yeah i mean i feel like a little kid sometimes when you cut it's like you just yeah. scored a touchdown on the peewee football team yeah, or something you feel like that aha moment yeah. you know the touchdown hands hallelujah touchdown hands you know raised up but yeah when, when you find that line um it's just a great feeling i mean um and you know it's great. It's a great line in a song. It's out of the box and mm, original, better. genuine and original yes. and, crea and creative. Uh, Running After Rainbows, which I cut for Stone on the One, my last record. Man, you wrote that song. Uh, that came together so fast. I think we wrote it in, I think we wrote that one in Nashville. I'm not I'm not and that, that was sure. one, if you don't mind saying, you, you were processing some stuff of your own. And yeah. that one was, I, I felt like you your soul uh, was open to, to writing that one. Yeah, it was, it was a different time back then. And I don't even know, that's another one, like you said about Moon Over Georgia. I don't even know where that came from. Uh, but man, we, we sure nailed her to the wall. I mean, that song right there, you know, uh, Dana, my wife, she's got that tattooed on her shoulder, on her back. Um, that That's kind of, that's a, that's a whole other feeling, isn't it? Like, somebody wants to etch that in their skin. It's something that you came out of your brain, and you don't even know why it came out of your brain. And you got people asking why, and you don't even know how to answer it. But yeah, it's great, man. It's, it's God. It's it, a God it's thing. Another, it's a God thing for sure because, yeah, that's all it could be uh, yeah. because it's good. You know, people have uh, liked it and they've it's made them happy and they've, you know, like you say, to get a tattoo or, or to even like remember it and like bring it up yeah. to you and sing it back to you. Uh, that is really cool, you know, when they remember. Oh yeah, yeah. It's an ultimate feeling like none other, as far as I'm concerned. Now, uh, you know, you remember the day that we were at Bustle Shells? We were at Cypress Moon, and we locked ourselves in somehow. <laughs> now, yes, this is we back did. in the time where you know that we were talking about earlier this is back when it was just basically me you there and grant sometimes was there tanya would come in sometimes but it was basically me and you there um we were going to lunch and <laughs> you had a key and for some damn reason or another we couldn't we couldn't get the door unlocked and it just had unlocked. I, I remember that. The front door would not, for some reason, would not unlock. And we tried and tried. But, oh, my goodness. <laughs> How do we get out of here? We ended up, because we was hungry. So we ended up in the back. I was got the bright idea, and I had flip-flops on, I think, and like Under Armour shorts. So 
that'd snag on anything sharp and just <laughs> like tear the threads out. I, I had the bright idea to jump to turn a trash can over back there, flip it over upside down, and try to hop up on it real quick and jump over that fence. But now the fence has got three strands of barbed wire at the top. It looked so, like some kind of, of actual, kind of like a prison, prison. like barbed wire up, up on the top, like it slants, <laughs> it did. like it slants over toward you, <laughs> three strands of it. Yeah, it did. Well, but I get up there. Wait, wait a minute. We had a cinder block, too. I forgot where the yeah, cinder there, block came the in. The cinder blocks were, we put that, the garbage can up on like a couple of cinder blocks. And <laughs> oh, our yeah. brains just weren't thinking. That's I right. wasn't thinking straight, and you were trying to get out of there. Yeah, I was trying and to get some garden gate, man, or roses or something. I was trying to get something. some food. I wasn't thinking that that <laughs> plastic garbage can is going to collapse when you stand on it. I didn't think that until it I, happened. I reckon I thought I was like the Flash or something, but I had <laughs> I had ate a lot because that's, that's the time whenever I was going, you know, me and you was writing in most shows all the time. We'd go eat, and so yeah. I, I ate a lot back then. I still do, but I did back then, too. And, man, I hopped up on that thing, and the whole thing just caved in. <laughs> and the block you, you, fell on my ankle. Yeah, you <laughs> fell down in that block, cut your, your ankle. You were bleeding, I remember. Yeah, and, I did uh, bleed. How did we get out of there? I can't even remember how we got out of there. Now, we finally got the uh, – did we finally get the door that's happened a couple of times, actually. That's such a weird place. That that was, I remember that day because uh, <laughs> I, it seems like Tanya came in there. She was about to do an event in, okay. the, uh, in That's the, right. the Budweiser uh, folks oh, the that keg. came by there. She was, she was trying to hook up a keg, and uh, <laughs> me and you had come through That's there. Right. We were... <laughs> We were kind of clueless, or I yeah. was. You you might not have been. I was trying to pretend well, I, was, I knew how to hook it up. I didn't know how, and we sprayed beer on that was, leg. <laughs> and that's pretty much like to, putting alcohol on an open wound. Yeah. You were like, oh, to, man, it, it, it burnt your leg, so you got to probably help clean it out, though. It probably actually helped, helped I you, was trying it? to. Yeah, I was trying to tap it. And, boy, I tapped it all right, and it sprayed before it went all the way in, it sprayed, and it, out of all the damn angles it could have hit, it sprayed directly. <laughs> the angle, the ankle angle, it hit your ankle. <laughs> yeah, ankle, an angle. angle, yeah. Uh, but I, 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 that was so bizarre, man. but it was so funny. I mean, one of the things, me and you laughed about it later, but I thought, <laughs> that beer uh, hits you right on that open wound there where you'd been bleeding. I, mean, I know it, it burned, like, it burned like the Dickens, you know. Oh. It burnt, it burnt like hell even more than them L.A. Lights did that Lee Greenwood sung about. I tell you, man. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it even. I mean, I wish they could see it because I wish they could see how it, the chances of it angling toward my ankle like that and just hitting that, it straight on right there on the open wound. That I is mean, really bizarre. I mean, that's like one of the things I was almost questioning. Like, is somebody playing a trick on us? Is this like a reality, you know, or uh, something? But, yeah, man, that, it's for, that was for real. And I know we're going to do some more of these. Uh, yeah, that's why I was going to say. better have me back on it. These are so fun. But we'll 
a couple of more stories I want to bring up. A couple of Cypress Moon and <laughs> one with Jeff Cook's uh, Cook Sound Studio where you uh, are real close to, to Jeff and were writing for him and had me up there. We need to, we'll tell them all about the, those things. Oh, yeah. Let's do part two, man. Yeah, part two. We'll do part two. We got. We could talk for. We could do this daily and still talk that, about stuff. That healed up though. You you texted me a week or two <laughs> later, and that that ankle was still kind of. Man, I mean, it, you didn't need stitches, but man, it kind of cut cut it, didn't it? Cut yeah. in there. That block fell on it, and that's the way it hit it, and it, it bruised that ankle bone too because that block just rolled over on it, and it was it felt like it was in slow motion. That's the funniest thing. That's crazy. We've had so many crazy times. Oh man, uh, I love it. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll we'll, we'll definitely talk about that next time. Uh, Amen, we, man. What a what a good fun fun to think about these things for me and you, Andrew. Too. To yeah, it is good to have a belly laugh. The Bible says uh, laughter is good like a medicine, and it really is. It it, it the is. endorphins and uh, dopamine get that going in your brain. Yeah, serotonin. And you know, I'm just glad that we had a, a halfway successful uh, session this time because uh, I don't think the third time would have been the charm. I, I, yeah, I, I people think, could have could have seen that last one. I had like some earbuds, and one <laughs> of the earbuds was a microphone, and I didn't know it. And I had it in my shirt. shirt, rustling it all, rustling it around, wasn't I? Yeah. So it was like. Yeah, Andrew. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get. Yeah, we're gonna get. Yeah, that's what but it sounded I, like. The I'll whole tell time folks time. the surprise you had this time, and you, you haven't said anything about it. But this whole hour, uh, I, I haven't had a stationary camera. It's kind of been moving around. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed that at all? Oh yeah, and half of it's looked like you was in on Atari game console or something because <laughs> it's just pixelated it's the internet <laughs> uh, it is. so what oh, what did man. you think about this moving camera i mean you didn't comment on it at all i got think? a little dizzy i got a coke right here though i'm drinking so i'm just well, keeping my I, I was moving it pretty much the whole time the whole I, time I, yeah I, well see it's weird because i mean i did see it but i'm looking at the camera on my laptop because uh -huh. i'm it looks like when you look when you watch it back i'm looking at you i'm really not looking at you but when i look down at you and i look at myself on here i look like i'm just looking out the window or something <laughs> like stupid you know so i'm trying to look at the camera but yeah it's i've noticed it's been moving the whole time well, cool, hey. man. I'm glad you did. I I thought it would add like a little element of surprise, you know. You, a little dramatic effect there. Hopefully it won't be. Yeah, and, and like in the middle of the interview, you couldn't say, you couldn't really say what's going on with your camera because somebody might, I might actually have a camera person. You don't, you don't know. So it's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh, man. Let's do part two, man. That Telecaster is taking a big role in this uh in this one, hadn't it? That red telecaster. It. it looks like it's a big part of your shoulder, like a like a shoulder pad or something, just coming up <laughs> off your shoulder. <laughs> That's, That's oh funny, man. man! 
Well, we've what been a great we've been talking with you, Doctor Drew. Oh yeah, you too, always, man. Yeah, we've been talking to Martin Armore, my good buddy, monster songwriter. Had a bunch of hits. We're gonna do part two coming up uh, in the next few weeks. But oh, tell them where they can get you on, uh, find you on social media and your website and all that. They want to look you up, man. They can. You can find me all day long at www.marknarmore.com and that's m-a-r-k-n-a-r-m-o-r-e.com and i laugh at the radio voice <laughs> you knew i when we first started writing together andrew you, you i we talked about i'd worked in radio but we pull up to the darn uh i think it was like a mcdonald's <laughs> drive through and you nearly lost it laughing i thought what <laughs> yeah. is what is andrew you were like like because I didn't realize it, but you said I put on like some radio <laughs> stuff when I do my ordering. It's like, <laughs> yeah. y'all have a Big Mac and some fries and, you know, um, yeah, some onion. Well, not at onion rings at McDonald's, but yeah. A couple of Big Macs <laughs> and extra Mac sauce and some fries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Pepper. Yeah. And, I, and you were laughing, and I thought, you said, man, you sound like a <laughs> DJ every time we go to order. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it anywhere yeah yeah it was, it was good times man we've always had good times we still we'll still have some more oh we'll have plenty more man we'll have plenty plenty doggone more good talking to you good seeing you tell sandy i said hello tell dana and, i said howdy and and this this really is good therapy and we're great friends and it's I know yeah. that will come across to everybody. It, it'll just give everybody an ease and a comfort going through this uh, season of, of Christmas. Some people get depressed anyway, and this year it'll be even probably worse for a lot of people. So we hope that we can just look like a you know a couple of comfortable Idiots. guys here yeah. just sitting talking, and that's really what uh, we maybe do. they will tune you in and tune us in and get get the vibe the godly vibe that we're trying to put out there that's it appreciate y'all tuning in to picking it out and we'll see you next time and uh i'm gonna get leave y'all with uh, i'm gonna do a couple of like pretend i'm in radio and give you a couple of th three liners here how about uh hey thanks y'all for tuning in to picking it out with my buddy Andrew Pope. <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that'd be where I messed up. You'll edit that out, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you've been listening to the crazy man, Andrew Pope, and his crazy <laughs> compatriot, Mark Normore, on Picking It Out. Compatriot. And we're not talking about something he dropped in his spittoon either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like I dropped my glasses in the spittoon. I was over there to picking it out. <laughs> I like that one. No, I'm kidding. That's funny. Oh, man. Love love y'all, Andrew, and we'll uh, catch you next time. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Yes, sir. See y'all next time. <laughs>